Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. that's what I do. I become obsessed with parts and then I make my own song. Do you know what? I was kind of disappointed that didn't happen. I thought maybe the Wanted Dead or Alive cover might end up on this new record because I've been backstage with you loads of times before and I know you love that tune and you've been playing it live occasionally. That's the thing. We've decided to make it for at least a while a live only. Right. Because I put, when the covers album came out, it came out in a limited edition vinyl first. As has, the pigeons of shit metal, right? It has songs that you can't get on the newer version of it. And then the newer version has songs you can't get. And then the live version is going to have versions you can't get. That's what I like about it. I reckon you should do like a seven inch of the month kind of deal where you do a, an A and B side cover record every month for a year. Well, because how many would you have wanted to do but didn't get to do, right? Because there's so many, I imagine. I, I want to keep doing covers. It, it, it for me is a way to. Let's face it, rock and roll is a lot of fantasy. And half of my fantasy is being the people that I was singing along to. Mm-hmm. And um, But I am going to be releasing a, a, a band a month, like a, a sub-pop, you know, exactly what they did. Well, it was Brill Cream, the one that really did it in the 50s, where you could get the Brill Cream song of the month and they would get a different artist. Because I want to start showcasing the up-and-coming bands in L.A. There's no real... 
it's different and harder for bands when they're coming up now. And there needs to be someone taking an interest in it and giving them the motion, the motives to play, the places to do it, and the 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 access points. You know what I mean? The leg so, up. Yeah. Right. So I, I I've become the benefactor of a grand amount of uh, generosity and of friendship. So. I want to be a friend to all rockers. It's also a way for me to hear what the kids are doing and take it so that no one can ever usurp the old man. (laughs) I want to play you something off my phone, Jesse. So we first met in like 2011, right? I think it was... Oh, it's Jorba. Jorba can come in, yeah, yeah. Jorba, you can come in, buddy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Come in, come in. Good to see you, stranger. How are you? How you been? Been all right? Long time. (laughs) Long time. Now you're here. Now you're in. So... We did a chat for Kerrang Radio and we were talking about your friend Joshua and you said some things about Josh and very nice things. And about a year after that, I got to play Joshua in an interview with him, what you said about him. And now all these years later, I'm finally going to get to play you what Joshua had to say about you. Are you ready to hear it? Yeah. Wow. Uh, he's, he's one of those big brain kids with 160 plus IQ and, and um, he's got such a reverence for what the magic of rock and roll like what it could do if you just believe in it like he knows that it can it can turn a frown upside down it can it can get somebody you know laid it can get somebody paid it can get someone happy it can get someone out of everything that's bad you know and i just love that about him and i just saw in south america i saw uh, dan from the black keys yeah yeah and he had the same thing that you said to say about Boots, because they were playing together, Eagles, Death Metal, Black Keys, right? So Jesse runs up to Dan with a Black Keys t-shirt on, you know, and says, I'm so excited to see you play. And, and he hasn't played, you know, neither of the guys have played yet. And I just thought, what modern, what modern rock star singer would run up to another one with... Oh. Sorry, that's cut out. T-shirt on and have such excitement and like passion. Just like, yeah, we're playing together. This is great. You know what I mean? Here is someone that is not bitter, is stoked, and is just like rock and roll. This is what we do. Everyone, jump up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and and I just he's like a wonderful infectious disease. So that was Joshua eight years ago now, and I finally got to play it to you. And I wanted to ask you, because what he's talking about there is the Jesse that I know. This guy who, wherever he goes, he spreads love, joy, light. I wanted to ask you if you're close to reconnecting with that joy that you, you know, have always felt through that, rock and roll. Is That joy never left me. No? It never left me. Nothing ever took it from me. Um, truly, there were a moment or two where... I had something far more terrible simultaneously to deal with, but I dealt with it simultaneously and and I, I, I dealt with it by being surrounded by the finest fucking friends you could ask for on top of Joshua Hami and having the luxury, the, 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 the incredible honor to have a band of friends that I have that are at the, top of their fucking game and they're in my band and it's a lot easier to get up out of bed when you have a reason to a real reason to you know what I mean um I've never ever been one who's a why me kind of dude why not me whatever that is 
everyone's going to be called upon to defend the neighborhood. Be ready. And don't worry about how terrible it's going to be. Just make sure you're doing the best you can by your friends. And if they're doing that, it'll take care of itself. Um, I don't have it in me to let the bad guys win. Just don't have it in me. I don't. And uh, if someone who's an asshole wants me to do something, there's no fucking possible way I can constitutionally do it. I don't. I mean, I just can't. And all my friends have seen me. Jorma's here right now. He's seen me a million times. The second someone goes, I want this. Really? (laughs) Well, I don't think you'll get this. Um, I feel like even... Even if we're talking about, you know, what happened three and a half years ago, there was a terrible joy that I was able to spread. A terrible joy, a terrible happiness of what happens when something momentarily awful happens and how you are able to measure the quality of the people in that moment by how they react. I was able to spread the the testimony of what I saw that night, which was the greatest examples of love I've ever seen in my life. And that the nation of France put its cape around us and pulled us into its bosom and protected us and that rockers around the world united in a decent cause. And when the fuck does anyone in rock and roll ever do anything actually decent? They talk about it a lot, but when do they actually do it? These are all beautiful things that I'm able to spread at a great cost. And... These are the sorts of things that if I could choose, I wish I'd never fucking seen them and would never, ever be able to tell you about them. But that ain't going to happen. So the honor has fallen to me. It's a terrible honor. Talking about that moment three and a half years ago. That being said, I have never been one second less horny. I I can tell you right now that even in the throes of the darkest moments, I could rock a boner the size of Texas that would make your mama hide under the bed, okay? And this is a fact. Right now, I'm three-quarters chub with a monster right now. It's going to terrify half of London, man. And there are six dudes in the room, too, so anything could happen. There's fucking six dudes in the room, dude. Okay, that's what I'm able to rock right now, bro. Okay? I was at the return show that you guys did at the Olympia and it was one of the most special and overwhelmingly beautiful experiences that I've ever been a part of. And I saw firsthand how much the people of France truly um, and utterly like had the band's back and vice versa. Like, had our backs. I mean, you're never ever, I mean, and I mean this with no disrespect, but nobody's ever really going to fucking be able to understand certain things unless it's going to happen to you. And being able to see it, the national morality of any i mean when would you ever when when would ever anyone ever get an expectation to even see that you're only going to know a country based upon your personal friendships i got to see the character of a country in a moment and 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 it blew me away what i'm here to say is that my experiences have led me to this conclusion it's a beautiful world filled with beautiful people and a lot of love so much love that it's willing to give itself to protect its friends. I think that's a beautiful message. Some people might think I'm fucking crazy for coming to that conclusion. I don't really give a shit. 
I don't, I don't, I don't really, I, I honestly don't give a rat's ass what an asshole thinks. I don't, I don't care. Even if they're a loud mouth asshole, I'm a rock and roller. I came here to shake my dick and have a good time. Occasionally that pisses some people off. So be it. I still got a three quarter chub right now in a room with six dudes. So the Jesse Hughes that we know and love is still very much here and, oh, and doing his thing. Hell yes. And that makes me very happy, dude. It really good, does. Good, good, good. Because it, it, if, if I even stopped down, you know, honestly, I've never had nightmares. I haven't had any trouble sleeping. I'm no, none of that shit. None of it. None of it. None of it. But uh, I just want to make sure I earn everything that I got. That's it. But that ain't going to stop me from being horny. And it ain't going to stop me from loving rock and roll because if it did, it, so it's okay. sorry. If it did, it would let <laughs> these assholes win. I don't know. I mean, and when it comes to the vile, their names shall never be known because they are nothing. And, and they have only always ever been nothing to me. The testament really of what we're seeing is, is that rock and roll is a thing that happens between the whole gang. There's the monkey that shakes his dick with the guitars, and then there's the ones that come inside. And together, I will tell you that I am here not just because I had a will to persevere, but because the rock and rollers out there were unwilling for me to go anywhere. That was made clear, and that was probably the first source of any strength that I had to retake, were the, the weird letters that you only see in movies that are like, you can't stop doing this, and shit like that. They are not willing for me to even age one day. So I will live forever. Can we talk about your new gang and the, the importance and the friendships? The that right have, gang. We've got Jorma, we've got Jenny. Um, and the pictures that I see from, from all of you guys collectively. Jorma, I'd like from, to know what your take is on being in this band. I want to hear this. I, I, we've got him in the room. Come and have a seat, Jorma. <laughs> when, when I first joined the band, I talked to Josh. Well, first I met Jesse, and then I talked to Josh, and he's like, he's like, you know, you're joining the most fun band you could ever be in. And I was like, what? That's a scientific fact cool. as well. Uh, yeah, it turned out to be. <laughs> I have the most fun with this band. Like, it, it, it's so inspiring to be around somebody like Jesse, who's so full of life and so excited. And the shows are so much fun. The fans are so cool. The friends. The fans, it's just been the, the coolest. I want you to keep talking when I'm not here. I want to know you. <laughs> it's been the coolest experience it was really really cool especially for me coming from a band because I was in a band prior to this um, for 15 years so that was um, it was kind of gnarly for me because I was kind of just thrown in the deep end you know we had one rehearsal and then we were in South America playing Lollapalooza to 50,000 people and I just remember walking on stage and looking around and I was like I don't know a single person on this stage like I had literally just met these people and then instantly, it was just like, we just became family. It was so cool. It seems that way from the outside looking in, like you and Jenny and kind of the dynamic of what seems to me to truly be a family, yeah. which is what every good band should be, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you see it, you know, when we play festivals or whatever, there's bands that have, you know, their factions and their little, they kind of do their own thing. Maybe they have their own tour buses or whatever, and they come together and they do a show. I personally can't imagine being in a situation like that, you know, where I, I truly enjoy hanging out with everybody every day. And we go out and even on our days off, you know, we're all still hanging out, even when we're home. You know? Really? Yeah. Well, that's the true sign right there, because usually it's kind of like, right, tour's over, see you in a few months. Yeah, no, it's not like that at all. I live like two minutes from Jesse's house, so 
we're always riding our motorcycles together. Yeah. Well, tell me about working on this new album because um, it seems like he ain't coming back anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> so we started, it started out where um, we were working on the soundtrack for, or the score for the Super Troopers 2. Yep. And so Jesse had found this um, studio in, uh, in North Hollywood that it is absolutely magical. It's, um, it was used by the Beach Boys back in the day. Um, Jesse knows a little more of the history of it, but it was like a, a super cool older studio where it's kind of set up so you could perform live. So there's like a big live room. And essentially the dude that owned it kind of lost interest. And it sat there for 40 years untouched. So all vintage gear in place, yep. like all analog, still just, working and totally. So this guy, our friend Nick found it and convinced the family to let him reopen it. And so we were one of the first bands to get back in there and we did the, uh, the soundtrack or the score for uh, super troopers in there. And it was so much fun that we just kept writing things. And so we did some of the, um, the covers for the cover record that just came out in yep. there uh, and then we started working on that. De- we just didn't want to leave, you know, so we were holed up in there. And I mean, shit, it had to be like nine months that we were just always in there. It was like our home. Um, so, yeah, we worked on a bunch of demos, um, got them kind of figured out. Josh came back from tour. They started working them out. And so now when we get back, we're all going to get together and hash them out, put them together. So a brand new one to follow up. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. I love it. And downloads coming up, which is going to be, once again, a Who's fucking... Who's headlining our day? Uh, on your stage or the main? The main. Def Leppard. Oh, okay. And they're, do- oh, and they're, right. and they're, doing, hi- and they're doing Hysteria in full. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll be awesome. Really? Yeah. On the, the Friday that you guys play. You know, my church so you can... was up in arms about that album. <laughs> there were all kinds of albums that I wasn't allowed to listen to uh, all the time. And... We would constantly have these like church meetings where they would update the families, the moms, on the new albums that were coming up. That was a big one. And I remember The Cure's Head on the Door. Love that record. It's a great, a great Six record. different ways. However, I have to be honest and say that you could look at America before rock and roll and then put a chronological timeline when rock and roll started along with the timeline of what we would consider the downgrade of our society, the reduction of values which we all talk about pretty corollary so they're kind of right i feel like it's good to be honest about that Mm -hmm. because you have to take responsibility for everything i mean 50 million elvis fans can't be wrong and rock and roll doesn't always just inspire rad shit sometimes people like rock and roll and they go do bad things while they listen to it there's got to be a correlation well, I remember in the brilliant Colin Hanks documentary, um, which recently came out and it's still on Netflix if anybody hasn't seen it. And there's a scene where you're talking about the, the night that you and Joshua are driving to the studio to start work on the first Eagles album. And he kind of gives you the talk, right? That he says, we're going into this world and bad things can happen in there. So I want to just prepare you for it. Yeah, and it was the, I want to write a book about just that lesson of, preparedness that he gave me it's almost like a bible but that's how i've taken everything in this business when i've come into it i came into it so late in life and so uh blessed with advantages 
that I only wanted to capitalize on them. I never looked at it like I was ever in Joshua's shadow. I was always in the shade. Uh, and if anyone wanted to accuse me of writing coattails, I'd be like, duh, it's a lot easier and it's a lot better on the legs. And what better tales? You know, I mean, I, I, I'm one of the proudest things that I'll ever have in my life is that I was a, a, a musical peer of my best friend, Joshua. That'll never suck. Ever. You love the cramps. I know this for a fact. The cramps and is took it, us out on the road. Is it safe to say that there's a, a touch of the cramps on the version of It's So Easy that you've done for this new record? Because I a was touch? listening to it and I was like, fuck me. This is like the cramps doing Guns N' Roses. The, this is the best thing ever. I love you for that because this is one of the realities of that is that uh, I approach covers with a scientific method always. Like, I'm going to... Like, long, slow, goodbye. That song's slow, I'll make it fast. You know, the, the Ramones are fast, I'll make them slow. Um, and with that song, it was, how can girls get revenge in this song? So I, I went and got a bunch of the dancers from Jumbos. From Jumbos, right? One of the greatest places on earth. And, and brought them all back to my house, and they performed on this song, which I was envisioning as Lux Interior if he had to pretend to be James Brown. Which was, which was where I was going with this. Amazing. And I went into full fantasy. I mean, when you're surrounded by a bunch of fucking half-naked hot chicks, you want to do something that makes you look like you're cool or some shit like that. You know, fuck, I was trying to get laid. So that's why I did that song. <laughs> it worked. I got to fuck myself. How could it not? <laughs> um, some of the other tunes on there, I want to I wanna get your, your insight into why you chose them and... Careless Whisper has to be one of the most heartbreaking songs of all time, right? About guilt and and that line. And he was 17 when he wrote it, right? Yeah. And it was like, I'm never going to dance again. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. Like that Dude, line the, the is whole thing crushing. Is, but it's also a song that I don't give a fuck what musical uh, click you've adhered to. Uh, if it's the, the metal heads, whatever. Every person I know relates to that song. And... I like to sing songs before we go on stage. And we were at a festival. It was like a heavy metal festival. I think the, it was like Refused and Down and, and uh, uh, Anthrax. Was it Hellfest? It was a while back. And I was playing that in my dressing room. And one by one, the lead singers of all these super heavy bands, hey, is it cool if I come in here? And it ended up with like me and like six people singing this song to the top of our lungs because everybody relates to it. And I, I, I started thinking how funny it was that it was like a guilty pleasure when in reality, to me, a good song is a good song. George Michael expressed it the way he did. I figured if I stayed true to the song and, and treated it like it was just a song that was beautifully composed, that it would be as punk rock as anything if I just felt it that way. And it's a demonstration. You, you cannot fuck up a good song. You can't do it. And no matter how hard I tried to fuck up that song, I could not do it. <laughs> uh, Mary J. Blige as well. That was the lead off single, wasn't it? And that song, the lyrics in it especially speak to me as like a very positive call to arms. Like this is a, a fun loving, you know, all accepting place. Let's get this party started. Everybody's welcome. It's pure I, you, eagles, you, right? You've and kind it's of hit the nail on the head. Um, in reality, this playlist, the reason why I chose all these songs, is this, this is the playlist of songs that I used to walk myself out of the bad shit that had happened to us. Because originally what it was intended, Joshua wanted me to write write a record, to get this shit out. Yeah. And I put forth the idea that maybe the songs have been written. And maybe I can cover these songs and maybe that'll be easier on me. And and uh, 
and they also say the things that you want to say so that's perfectly, exactly what i'm saying it, it, they were written like for me in a playlist and uh beat on the brat uh so alive every one of these fucking songs because I, I i daily when i get up in the morning i rise to music i i prepare for anything that i do to music and it's a known fact anyone knows me and and so that didn't change when it came to dealing with something terrible or anything like that. I, I would use music to get myself in a place where I felt like I could go out and take some punches. And this is the playlist of it. Trouble by Cat uh, Stevens. Cat uh, Stevens is just It's, it's one best. of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my life. And, and it really, it was like he was writing what I was feeling, you know, this is almost like a statement to the fans, to to things, to to spirits, to whatever you know, and it worked. I mean, for me, I I, I feel better about a lot of things. You know, music. I I really do believe in rock and roll. I, I really fucking believe in rock and roll, and. If you approach it with the right attitude, it, it can save your life. And it can help you feel better just about things in general. And I was a little concerned that if I went this path that it might stigmatize the songs for me and maybe make it someday where I wouldn't be able to listen to them. Or, But I'm so vain that now that it's versions of my that I've done, there's no way I it can only listen the to it. I have right? to hear it like every day. It's a given. <laughs> So was the recording process a real healing positive? It was, and it took place experience. everywhere. Everywhere, these songs were recorded. Literally, um, "So Alive" was recorded in the back of a bus as we were driving from, I think, uh, uh, to Belgium. We were driving to Belgium. Um, "Long Slow Goodbye" in my living room. You know, like these songs. One song was recorded at the Sportsman's Lodge, my getaway home from home, home away from home, um, and then. Some of them were recorded in one of the finest fucking studios in the world, Valentine. This is the one studios. Jorma was just telling me about, yeah? The 70s vintage, like... It's it's a magic... Pimp Daddy Lair. It's a magic fucking jewel. And it's really about the gear that he has that's all in sequence and, and tip-top. So that's another demonstration of something. There's There's a general sound commonality to every song, but they're recorded all over the place in a variety of different environments with a variety of different gear. And, and But there's an almost a demonstration that if you stay true to a single concept, which is just trying to make the best music you can make, that will shine through. Because even though you can kind of tell the difference, the song recorded at Valentine doesn't seem to have any more or less quality than a song that I recorded. There was an intensity and a real voodoo magic going into it. You know what I mean? Because I, I do believe in, in, in the good Lord, and therefore I believe in the devil, and therefore I believe in voodoo magic. And it's real. And uh, it's probably, Especially in music. Kind of music for me is magic. <coughs> Bless yourself. Um, That's a bit of the devil getting out there. It's, it's all voodoo magic. I put a spell on you and the lyrics aren't and now you're mine the lyrics are because you're mine that's why I put a spell on you that's a whole different fucking animal and I feel like there's a lot of magicians in our world running around performing fabulous tricks but there's only a wizard here and there that can really fold fucking time itself and, and I've always endeavored to be a wizard I don't want to do tricks 
I want to do magic for real. And, and, uh, rock and roll is the best medium through which that can be achieved. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Speaking of wizards, can we talk about your good friend Brent Hines? Of course. I love that man, and I love the the connection there and the the friendship that's blossomed in the last few years, in particular. And where does it begin? Well, it begins in the American South because he's from Georgia. I'm from South Carolina. My mom is from Georgia, so we immediately connected from Jump Street. The very first times we were on festivals together. I was like, "You're from Georgia, right?" And he's like, "You're from South Carolina." And we just hung out because we were the only hillbillies. It was just a natural affinity. On top of that, he's one of the finest fucking individuals I've ever known. One of the unparalleled finest fucking men I've ever known in my life. And he's one of the most gifted guitarists of our generation and and songwriters. And that together provides for one monster of a human being. I loved him immediately. Every member of that band I loved immediately. But Brent, I, I loved him immediately. There was a wildness in him. There is a wildness There's in him. There's a wildness in him that's completely real. And it's completely legitimate and it's terrifying. And it's also beautiful and precious. So I feel oftentimes very lucky to be in a peer group, a generation that's got such people in it. I hope the next generation has it. We'll see. Well, it's like a throwback to you know, the seventies, it's a continuation of that, isn't it? And you had like Harrison and Clapton and you had this gang, this group of guys who were brothers. Years, friends. Yeah. And, and they had common interest and they also understood what they do in this rock and roll world. And, and these moments that are possible in showbiz, especially like every time Brent comes on stage with us, it's fucking magic. And it's hilarious. I mean, he, he's come out on stage in a clown outfit <laughs> and then shredded. Because the clown outfit was for us on stage. It was this thing. We were, we were, it was a, a statement to just the bands on stage, just a hilarious statement. The crowd was looking at it like a fucking clown suit. It's probably entertaining to them, but they didn't get it. They didn't need to. And the fact that he felt comfortable enough or uh, safe enough to be like that 
those are moments that you you couldn't ask for. You couldn't write. They're going to happen. And I hope one day to make an album with Brent. Yeah. yeah what, what, what would, would like that him, sound I'd like? I'd kind of like him to produce my next parts of my next solo album. Because I think when he's unchained from the constraints of heaviness, the places his mind goes and the, the music that he loves is so vast. It's ridiculous. In fact, I think I'm going to make that an order of business after this interview. I'm going to call him up. Amazing. I am. I'm not even fucking around. Could we tell the story of the night in Vegas that you shared, or is that not for podcast? You told it once at a live Q&A after the screening of your documentary, and it's one of the funniest rock and roll stories I've ever heard. But you, can... you got into the fight? Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. That's it's t- cool if not. Probably not, but I mean, I can say that uh, it started with CeeLo Green, Dave Grohl, and I in a pool with Brent and 50 security guards from the Palm Hotels surrounding us in the pool and putting this like noose of humans around us until we couldn't go anywhere in the pool. I'm not even kidding. It was hilarious. We refused to get out. We refused to get out of the pool. And <laughs> and then it ended up with me in jail. Let's And, and, and with... Uh, and leave out the middle. And then I also, there's a quote of me walking up to a cop and he goes, do you have any drugs or weapons? And I go, I've got a half ounce of speed in my sock and a quarter of weed in my pocket. And he went, really? <laughs> okay. It was like, because I, I was just so straightforward about it. Like, oh yeah, of course, officer. I, yeah, absolutely. I have this and this. The look on his face of really was priceless. <laughs> I mean, but I'll ask Brent. If he's cool with it, kill it. And then I, and then I promise you this. We'll do a round two. Today and yeah. Amazing. Um, I want to talk about Slim Jim because obviously, you know, well, let's talk about Jenny first yeah. and the, the magic and the power of that woman and what she's brought to the Eagles gang. Jimmy, I expect a lot from the band members in Eagles of Death Metal. And because my mother's my hero, because I, I champion, I love women, genuinely love women so much. Um, I expect a lot especially when a girl's coming to the band, just because I know they're up against a lot. They're in a boys club. They're up against a lot of shit that ain't fucking fair. So with Jenny, no one's a boy or a girl when they come to Eagles of Death Metal. They are whatever instrument they are playing. That's it. And you're either good, great, or whatever. Or out of the gang. Or out of the gang. (laughs) And Jenny... Jenny came when it was a very difficult time to replace McJunkins. Every band member that's gone on, it's difficult to even consider the possibility of having to replace them. So I've learned to not. And you can't replace McJunkins, so why try? Let's find a bass player. But Jenny came and immediately, just immediately, the possibilities of what could happen were enhanced. Just immediately, what I thought we could pull off live as a band jumped immediately. And that was exciting. That was really fucking exciting. And the combination of her, Jorma, and myself was so immediate that I started trying new things, challenging the band in new ways, pushing new things. And Joshua... We got to come up with a nickname for him because there's only one Josh. So we're going to have to come up with a new nickname for the new guitarist. We don't want to call him NG or new guitarist. I'll call him nude guitarist. But um, he, he can sing and play and do all these things. So now the band, 
now our bare minimum bar has been raised so much higher, it's more exhaustive. And because I approached the covers so like meticulously, especially Mary J. Blige, because I love her so much and I did not want to fuck up. Have you heard her thoughts on the track? Uh-uh. I, want I, bet, to. I bet she loves it. I hope so. I, I, I hope to hear it one day. And, uh, and I hope it's good. But it's the first time I ever sang a single vocal track. So everyone's challenged everyone and everyone's exalted themselves. So now we're not only a band that came through something crazy. We're just one of these badass bands of rock and roll that won't be stopped. And my vanity, because there's a difference between vanity and conceit. One's informed by reality. And the version that's informed by reality with me makes me proud as a fucking shiny red fucking boner in the middle of fucking a snowstorm say, I'm in a badass rock and roll band because of these guys. Ginny is magic. She's an angel to me. She's one of my dearest friends. We immediately became friends. And, and the fact that she would be naturally with a person like Slim Jim Phantom, who's one of my heroes from the Stray Cats, who just put out a new record. Uh, a lot of times it's kind of a drag because I'll be performing on stage and here's one of my fucking heroes on stage watching every move I make. It's like, killer. The, this hope I don't... But Do you ever get nervous on stage when that is the, the scenario? Or you-, you know, Joshua hates me for this, but I've never had stage fright in my life. I really... I wish I could exp- uh, give you an anecdote or a story about how I've dealt with it, but I've never had it. I don't know what it is. And, and, and I've always believed and understood that people only know what you tell them. And it's only up to you what gets said. I never get nervous. But it's still a trip when there's people like that there, right? It's not, it's, well, I guess it's, not, it's not nervous that I get. I get fucking scared. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, if I look like a dick in front of this dude. But it turns out that Slim Jim is uh, one of the finest individuals you could ask for. And again, I could describe, I could, you could point at any one of my friends in my peer group, in my crew, anyone, and I'll tell you that they're one of the finest individuals that I've ever known. And, and people might say, but you call everybody the finest. But it's but true. Because they all are. They all are. I mean, you're only, as, as, you're only the quality of those you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. You're only as strong as your weakest link. All these cliches make sense, but... When you surround yourself with a certain quality of people, then those qualities will attract those qualities. And it it turns out that if you really try hard to do something, even something good, you might get closer to accomplishing it than if you hadn't. Pretty simple. Life is pretty simple, but that doesn't mean it's fucking easy. And staying true to what most would consider traditional beliefs and value systems have served me well. They've served me repeatedly without fail. And when I've believed in people and believed in doing the right thing, it's it's not failed me. So I know a lot of people in our business have these anecdotes or these life experiences that lead them to have such negative outlooks, but I, I don't. And I'm not sorry about that. The fact that I can get a boner without owning a Ferrari is, is fucking another thing I'm proud of. And the fact that I'll get a boner tomorrow, even in a Ferrari, is another thing I'm proud of. <laughs> is that your ride to download? In fact, I'm going to get the word Ferrari tattooed on my boner after this show tonight. So it'll say fa, and then it'll grow into Ferrari. <laughs> How's Davey doing? Davey's amazing. And I'm sure we'll see Davey again. Awesome. Because he's the Santa Claus of rock and roll. He's the goose gossage of hip hop. That's a, that's a baseball reference. 
<laughs> he was a baseball pitcher that pitched a no hitter on five hits of acid. Straight up. Goose Gossage. Yep. In the seventies, there's a few. That's some a wizard of, right there. Some of the greatest no hitters ever pitched were by dudes on serious amounts of drugs. Doc Ellison, he, he was like on up for four days on acid and speed. Come on, five hits of LSD, <laughs> and you pitch a no hitter. Do you still feel like rock and roll uh, is a dangerous commodity in today's world of you know political correctness and people are I think afraid to step outside of what would be considered the norm and pop their head I above the sand and take a chance? That uh, I'm dangerous. But I feel like you're the last of a, a great kind. Maybe like, it'll seem like that. And if it does, I mean, maybe. But it seems like the last of a great kind have started movements over and over again. It almost seems like everything in our history of humankind, if whatever, from concepts to religion, they seem to go up, ebb down to one who re-inspires. And may, man, maybe. But I think rock and roll's alive. The beaches are opening up tonight. They're fucking great. They're fucking great rock and roll. Maybe not everyone is uh, as eagerly awaiting the flames of hell as I am, but that's okay. <laughs> that's quite all right with me. That just means more drugs for daddy. You know what I mean? Because I'll sleep when I die, and uh, this ain't a Bible study. It's rock and roll. And you better be burning some shit down. Because if you ain't, then you ain't. How do you take care of yourself and stay sane? I do a lot of drugs. But that's been the downfall of so many before you, right? Yeah, but I guess it'll be the upfall of me. <laughs> if I'm the anomaly, so shall it be in all things. Um, this is the only job where you're supposed to do drugs. Sleep and you die. Drugs are terrible and they're supposed to fuck you up. Um, if I'm high on a drug and I'm getting potentially paranoid about cops, I'll stop myself and go, wait, I'm, I'm on drugs. So everything's normal. And I stop worrying about it. And when you're on any kind of drug that's illegal, technically all cops are out to get you anyway. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Um, I've never been paranoid. I've never fixed VCRs that aren't broken. Some people have the Do you think some people just have different... Are you about to say the word? Yeah, the constitution, constitution for it. Um, when you're a diabetic and you get insulin, it takes you a while to adjust to get the right balance. You have to learn this thing. And when they, they throw every kid in the world on Ritalin, but only a few of them are really meant to have the drug. Yeah. I'm the few of them. Do you know who I did a podcast with yesterday? Who? Ralph Steadman. No shit. What was he like? Beautiful man. Was he really? Beautiful man. Really? Like, very present, very playful. He's 82 years old, yeah. so he's, you know, he's been around a while now, but he's still got that childlike just joy for the world and everyone around him and everything in it and the stories that he had about oh, Hunter and, and William Burroughs, who he was also good friends with. Like, it was, they have to be nuts. It was an incredible day. Fuck, dude. You're getting them all. <laughs> I'm trying. I want to get Slim Jim. You reckon you could fix me up? Yeah. Would he do it? Oh, no, he would. You want me to? Yeah, that'd Done. be amazing. Is he gone? When he gets back. Oh, he's here. Yeah. I didn't. I... He just came in while we were Did talking. Did he really? Yeah, oh, yeah. He's here. He's on tour with us. What just... a rock and roll fantasy tour. It's not like, it's like Slim Jim. It's like some fucking amazing shit. And again, only this band. I mean, we went on a tour a couple of years ago and L. King came with us. Well, the last time I saw you, could we, I grab you for yeah, a couple yeah. more minutes? Is that cool? Last time I saw you in London, there was fucking Iggy Pop, Duff McKagan, yeah. Matt Berry. Like, what other band in the universe would bring those three guys in? 
it, it, and it was a great and uh, Alex was Turner was there that night as yeah. well I think yeah and Iggy was going nuts it was unreal it, but again that's that that to me are the things that are winning awards that was an award that's like winning an award that's almost better than a fucking Grammy literally um I love the people that I look up to I love them dearly and when they show me any kind of 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 uh uh requirement if you will uh I'm tickled to the toes. I love what I do. I love this job. I love this job. This is the greatest fucking thing you could ever do. Ever. In a million years. And even the worst days are better than most of the best days in the regular life. It is a blessing and a fucking gift to be able to do what I do. I haven't had to do anything at all but rock and roll for the past 20 years. That's a fucking gift. And if the shithouse all goes in flames tomorrow, I'll be able to say I left a mark in the fucking walls on the pantheon of rock and roll. What more could you fucking ask for? What more could you possibly ask for except for the validation of your peers, which I have. And your fans, which I know to you is equally important. And I think the thing that has always attracted people to you is that sincere pure unadulterated joy for what you do and the appreciation of it which so few people i think lose track of don't they lose sight of over the well year. and that to me is insane and you're right but uh, the only reason the only reason that i am here right now talking to you the only reason that i am able to go on tour is because the people that like the music that's it that's that's it that's it that's all there is and and if you look at it in those terms, then really what could possibly be more important in your life than them? Well, they're the people who essentially pay the checks, right? And and I genuinely don't think Eagles fans are incredible people. I mean, they're the kind of people that will surround somebody and look out for them. They're the kind of people that donate money to strangers and it happens all the time. I mean, and they know how to have fun. They and come enjoy to have life. fun and they expect it. Because, you know, sometimes if you advertise, people will answer to it. I guess there's a reason why we advertise so much. Um, I've always advertised the fun show. The ultimate horniness and the fun show. Come get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) So what's coming up then? You mentioned the solo record there, and Jorma was telling me a moment ago that you may be working on another Eagles record as well. We are making a new Eagles record. That's what Joshua and I have been doing. It's what we were doing while the band was rehearsing. Um, And then, of course... I'll make a variety of new solo albums, but sleep when I die. If I'm breathing, I'm probably putting out a new record. If I'm breathing, I probably have at least, at any given moment, three-quarter inch chub. <laughs> they might even call it like perma-chub or something like that. Like I walk There's around, a new term. I'm perma-chubbed. Sorry, bro. I'm blessed. You know, like truly blessed. <laughs> God of Thunder, uh, to bring things home. So Kiss was your first ever gig. Yep. A baptism of fire, if ever there was one. Um, Gene is obviously someone who, like yourself, I think, has been called to task for saying things which people don't like. And right. I kind of love that about him. He's been a guest on this show and he is unashamedly, like he has a phrase, which is to thine own self be true. Right. And I, although I don't agree with everything he says, I respect right. and admire that I, within him. I, I appreciate and admire him for a variety of reasons. We disagree on a few things. Um, I don't, find it anything other than disgustingly ugly to treat other people like shit period that being said as the demon nothing cooler <laughs> the god of thunder all right it's a it's a strange track choice it's is it just because it appealed to you sonically no it's because 
it was my least favorite Kiss song, and I would put it on daily just to start things off with. It was the way I handled uh, <laughs> things with press that was unsavory to me after Paris. It was the thing that reminded me to get into the headspace of if you can get through this song that you don't like that much. And then I learned to love it. And in the process, I was able to learn to love things that otherwise had been un unattractive to me. That makes it easier if you love it, even the bad things. Because without the bad things, you can't really have the good things. And they don't have any meaning. They have no reference, no, no contrast. So in a way, I have to be grateful for some of the bad things because they allowed me to really love the good things. And that's how I look at it. You're looking well, dude. And you seem happy and I'm really pleased and Thank you, brother. inspired to see that the show will go on. Oh, it ain't never going to stop. It's good to see you, man. Thank you for your time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.